Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. And I'm Megan Wright. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. In this episode of Grain Talk, I will speak with James Martin, Deputy Fire Chief in Floridale, Ontario. And I will check in with Crosby Devitt, CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario, for an update on our organization. First, a Grain Talk news update. Grain Farmers of Ontario has released the results of a new study showing grain farmers want the government to help them manage the risk of economic impacts triggered by the COVID-19 pandemic. 55% fear they won't be able to cover the cost of production this year. Farmers are also concerned they won't be able to compete with U.S. farmers. Since the onset of the pandemic, U.S. President Donald Trump has committed more than $30 billion in subsidies for American farmers. 80% of our farmer members want the Canadian government to level the playing field with their U.S. counterparts. The concerns raised by Ontario grain farmers in this survey underscore the need for governments to fix business risk management programs immediately. Agri-stability was cut in 2012, leaving grain and oilseed farmers without price insurance that they can rely on. Restoring the coverage to 85% and eliminating the reference margin limit would significantly improve the program. Last week, the provincial government announced it was raising the Ontario Risk Management Program by $50 million for the 2020 year, bringing the government's contribution to the fund to $150 million annually. Grain Farmers of Ontario worked closely with the provincial government to align the RMP with the needs of our farmer members and looks forward to working together to further ensure the future of Ontario's grain supply and value chain. Enrollment for RMP is open until July 30th through AgriCorps. Grain Farmers of Ontario has made the decision to host a virtual annual general meeting on September 15th, 2020. The decision to go virtual was made based on the information available at this time about restrictions on group gatherings as a result of COVID-19. The meeting will be held using Zoom video conferencing and will follow an agenda similar to past in-person AGMs. Zoom will allow you to join the meeting online using a computer, tablet, or smartphone, or you can phone in if you don't have access to reliable internet. Instructions and troubleshooting information will be communicated out as we approach the AGM date. To allow for this virtual format, the Board of Directors has made the decision to change the deadline for resolution submissions to September 8th. Grain Farmers of Ontario farmer members are encouraged to contact your local delegates and director for further information on the resolutions process. You can find contact information for all district representatives at gfo.ca. And now, here's my conversation with James Martin. Joining me on the podcast today, I have James Martin, who is the Deputy Fire Chief in Floridale, Ontario. How are you, James? I'm doing well, and you? I'm doing great. Uh, so you're the Deputy Fire Chief, and then I understand you also farm. So can you tell us a bit about your role as Deputy Fire Chief and also what you do outside of that? Okay. Um, I'm the Deputy Fire Chief of my fire station in Floridale, which is part of six stations in Woolwich Township. Been with the fire department since August 1st of 1986. Um, fire ch uh, Deputy Chief there for the last 
10 years and I do have been involved heavily in fire prevention for the last 25 years. Um, my wife and I also farm. We were heavily involved with her parents in dairy and for the last 12 years now we've been working on a um, sheep flock. We uh, farm uh, 200 acres just outside of the village. Wow okay that's interesting. So and so you've been with the fire station for a long time so that's really good. So, and then you said you've been involved in fire safety for the last uh, 25 years. We kind of wanted to talk to you today because wheat harvest is underway in most of the province and there've already been a couple of combine fires. So have you responded to any combine fires this season or in the past? We have not as of yet responded to any this year, hopefully not. Um, we have had a few incidents uh, with both uh, combine fires and um, baler fires in the fields. Um, let's be honest, like when you're out in the field and everything is dry, it's it's a very hazardous situation. Straw is the main problem. Straw is fuel, it's very dry, and any issues will ignite a fire that can take off very, very quickly. Right. Yeah, so that it's usually uh, the straw in the field, just it being so dry, that's usually the cause, or is it ever or sometimes is it more often like technical issues in the combine or like where kind of do the fires usually start with the emissions standards of modern vehicles now the exhaust is extremely hot and that has posed challenges because um, whether it's uh, pickup trucks or grain trucks tractors um, the exhaust runs extremely hot and so any dust, chaff, or anything like that that accumulates in and around the exhaust or the um, the muffler of the of the uh, vehicles, um, it will ignite. And we have had some close calls this year with uh, if you have any bearing or or uh, belt that is uh, suspect, they will get hot. If material wraps around bearings, they get hot. Um, uh, I know my son works on the farm, and he did have baling corn stalks, which is very dirty. Um, he had the baler on fire, and the only thing that saved him and the baler was the extinguisher that was in the tractor. Without that, he would have probably lost the baler. And so you mentioned, uh, you know, the straw, if it builds up in places and dust and chaff and that kind of thing. So it seems like something that can happen so easily or is fairly common, especially in a really dry year. Um, so what can farmers do to prevent that or how can they, you know, be more aware of uh, when to check on that kind of thing? The best thing is the whole crux of the prevention that we do is to uh, identify and minimize your hazards. So uh, making sure your machine is in good shape that it's clean and um, having an extinguisher with you. Now, if you're going to be on a combine or a baler out there in grain and straw, I would highly recommend having two, having a dry chem extinguisher. So if you do have an engine fire that involves fuel, uh, grease, um, that the dry chem, like a powder extinguisher is highly effective. And then also having a water extinguisher. 
with you. Like the water extinguishers, you'll often see them. They're just like little large chrome extinguisher. Basically, all it is is water with compressed air in there. It's like a giant squirt gun. And the water is very effective at um, putting out uh, a straw fire. And so you mentioned your son and that the, he had a fire extinguisher on there and that saved him. So um, I have seen stories of uh, farmers, you know, a fire starts and they grab their fire extinguisher, but it doesn't work or it's expired. Um, so how often should, uh, should you check your fire extinguisher and replace it? Any fire extinguisher, whether it's on your uh, vehicle or in a building, we recommend that they're checked once a month. Do a visual inspection. Uh, most extinguishers will have a small gauge on them, and that needle should be in the green. Um, extinguishers, when they're new and proper working order, they'll have like a small plastic tie wrap on them that holds the main pin in. And if that is missing, then somebody or something has happened to that extinguisher. Make sure that it is uh, intact. Pressure is there. There's no dings or dents in it. Check that once a month, and then we recommend once a year that it's uh, checked by a qualified person. And there is lots of... Um, extinguisher companies out there that will come drop by the farm and make sure all your stuff is in working order. And every six years, um, the fire code states that an extinguisher should be emptied and serviced and inspected. And every 12 years, that extinguisher is supposed to have a um, hydrostatic test on it. Now, there is lots of extinguishers out there that you can buy that are a one-time use extinguisher. Um, the quickest way to say to tell is if the extinguisher nozzle and handle on the top of the extinguisher is plastic, they're a one-time use. You shoot them off, and but if they're a bigger, better one, uh, they'll have a metal handle. Those are refillable. Oh, okay. On... Uh, combine or something, I would highly recommend having a decent size, at least five pound to 10 pound um, extinguisher so that you've got something that you can uh, um, affect a difference with. Okay, that's good to know. So, okay, so a farmer is going out in the field to combine, he checked his extinguishers, he's, you know, he's got a working fire extinguisher with him. Um, and so he's combining away and he starts to see sparks or smell smoke. Um, can you kind of walk us through what their, what the process should be, what their first uh, step should be, um, and what they should do in the event of a fire in the field? If you start to see fire, you need to take action immediately. Um, if you have the extinguisher and you see a small fire, you need to um, use it immediately. But if you start to see uh, a fire that is beyond something you can handle. Pretty well everybody carries a cell phone with them. You need to call for help immediately. A small fire very quickly becomes a big fire. And if you're in a large field, you can very quickly have that field on fire. So if the fire is small and you have an extinguisher, you need to take action immediately. 
but way too often people wait too long before they call us for help. You pay for the fire service through your taxes, so please call us immediately. We'd rather come out and the fire is out rather than you waited too long and we have a fairly large calamity to deal with. All right, so then kind of going along with that, what do you see as, uh, or have you seen as kind of the most common mistake that farmers make when it comes to try and prevent a fire or how they react when they start to see sparks? Obviously, you mentioned that they wait too long to call. Um, what do you see as a kind of a mistake in prevention? The biggest thing is to identify areas of hazard and fix them. Whether it's on equipment, I realize, you know, um, when it's harvest time, it's go time. And, and if there is something that is suspect, whether it's a loose shield or a belt that's not so great or a bearing, it's in everybody's best interest. Take that small time to fix that stuff and um, before it becomes a bigger problem. Um, I've seen that too often, and especially in buildings, if there's an electrical problem or a mechanical problem, yeah, I'll fix that when when the weather's better and it never gets fixed and it turns into a problem. Identifying the risks and doing something to minimize your risk factor is the best way. To put a fire out is to not let it start in the first place. So then, do you have any uh, stories of field or combine fires that you've responded to that you could share? Last fall, we had a near miss with a combine. It was in uh, later in the fall, but uh, he had an extinguisher with him and also his, uh, actually his water bottle, but there was they were able to put the fire out before we got there. And actually the fire stayed small because he took immediate action. That combine was back up and running. It was a bad bearing. A combine was back up and running in three hours. Whereas if he would not have had anything with him to get that fire out, it may have turned out considerably different. And for what equipment costs today, having that bit of prevention with you is paramount. Yep, that's a very good point. Not only is it going to save you a lot of uh, money and equipment, you know, repairs or having to buy new piece of equipment, but also in time, like you said, he's in harvest and he only had three hours of downtime versus, you know, days or weeks. So exactly. And a lot of cash. Um, all right. So now not only is fire safety in the field uh, important during harvest, but also safety around the farm and around grain bins during harvest. So have you done any uh, firefighter training for grain bin rescues? Grain bin rescues, um, we as our station do not because that falls under a confined space rescue. And But we do have access to that. Um, being we're part of Waterloo Region, we are part of what's called a mutual aid association. So there is um, some of the stations within our township that are uh, within the region that have that specialized training and equipment that we do have access to that. So far in my district, we haven't had to respond to a, a grain bin incident, but I can tell you that it does happen. I lost an uncle to a grain bin accident because he entered 
uh, grain bin that they were emptying and there was some stuff hung up and he went in there. Nobody knew he went in. And it is, they talk of moving grain like quicksand. And if you get into moving grain that's up to your knees, you're not going to get out. And he was drawn into, down into, it was corn that we, he was in, but he was drawn down into it and covered up. And by the time they were able to get him out, he was gone. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. That's, yeah, it, it you're right, it happens so quick. Very, very, very quickly. And you don't really realize that it's happening until you're drawn into it and then it's too late. And that can happen in a silo, in a gravity wagon or whatever. You get drawn to the bottom very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And another point about that is it's, uh, that's a good example of why it's important to be working with one other person or at least be telling them where you're going. If you have to go into a bin or a wagon for whatever reason, make sure that someone's standing nearby in case something does happen. Exactly. Exactly. Anytime you go into a wagon, whether it's full or empty, someone should know what you're doing, especially if you're emptying it or filling it. Uh, we've had incidents, and you hear of incidents where little people are playing in a truck or a wagon, and somebody comes along and fills it, and they get covered up. Yeah. It's, it's scary stuff. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of risk areas around farms. It is a dangerous occupation. Um, I think a lot of people, since they're there every day and it's also their home, they don't really think about it as much, but there's definitely a lot of, um, a lot of high risk areas, uh, on a farm. Uh, so can you talk about a little bit about if you've any other sort of farm accidents that you've responded to or what you see as some high risk areas that you think farmers should keep top of mind? Well, you mentioned it, um, touched on it briefly there, but farming business is one of the very few businesses where we raise our family in the workplace. Like I raised three boys at home on the farm and my eldest son, when I'd go for the tractor, it was, where are you? Because as soon as I went for a tractor, it was not, are you here? You're here somewhere. And he wanted to be with me all the time. And tractors and equipment combines now are so large that little people are often not visible. And unfortunately, over the years, that has happened way too often where young children are run over. And uh, that's happened too often to even think about counting that. And generally, if a small person gets run over by a farm equipment, it usually ends tragically. That is probably the, our, of all the farm accidents we go to, it's generally children that are not seen and get run over by something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it, and it's, like you said, it's very tragic when it happens and it's very important to make sure you know where kids are around the farm if they're going to be uh, out there. So it's a very good, very good point. And now, now with myself being where I am, I have grandchildren and they're equally and, and, you know, they want to be along 
and it's just part of the process. And I realize this time of year, you know, where the weather's been a little catchy, everybody works long days, they're busy, you got to go. And, you know, um, oftentimes, well, with any modern farm, both mom and dad are involved. So the kids are around somewhere. And it's it's a very, very real um, issue to keep track of children um, on the farm. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's not easy. No, it's not. Um, so kind of continuing with that, you've mentioned a few different things, but what would be kind of your top lessons learned or uh, tips or recommendations from responding to any sort of, you know, any combine fires or farm accidents that, um, you know, your top five, let's say, pieces of advice to farmers? One of the big things is where I, my area here is um, we have a lot of farming and it's very mixed farming. We have a lot of um, farms aren't generally the larger traditional cash crop farms. We have um, a lot of um, structures with livestock, very heavy density of farms with a lot of livestock. So there's barns. Um, being prepared is paramount, whether it's in your home or in the barn. Um, if there is a fire in the field or in and around the barn or anything, is having a plan in place as to what you're going to do. Think about in your head, discuss what you're going to do. Um, most of our grain fields here, yeah, some might be 40, 50 acres tops, but they're going to spread quickly. And there's generally buildings that are going to be very close. Having a plan in place, what happens if we have a structure fire, if we have a field fire, where are my children? Where are my family? How am I going to make sure that everyone is safe? Um, we have had incidents where <clears throat> we show up and the first five, ten minutes on scene of a fire is pure chaos because there's animals and people running everywhere and to get everyone tracked down is my first um, paramount. That's my first objective. Where is everybody? I can tell you I was involved a number of years ago when there was a barn fire where there was a small child that was missing and ultimately was lost in the barn. And the chaos that was going on of everybody running around trying to find this uh, small child is unforgettable. So being prepared, recognizing your risks is the big thing. And early access to or early notification of emergency services, whether it's an accident or a fire, that is key for the success of whatever went wrong to, um, you need to get help coming immediately. And that all needs to be discussed with your family, whether whoever that somebody thinks this person's doing this or that. It's just to be prepared with your family, your workers, whatever. And if you're a custom operator, know where you are. If you're working for somebody else, to have an idea where you are so that you can get help to you quickly. 
That's very good, good advice. Um, so you mentioned uh, being prepared, so and having you know a safety plan in place. So it's, it's just as important for farms to have a safety plan as it is for them to have a business plan. Um, so do you have any resources you recommend for farmers that are trying to be proactive and prepared um, about farm and fire safety? There is a multitude of stuff available. There is um, stuff available through OMAFRA. There is stuff available through the Fire Marshal and Emergency Services. Uh, many fire departments have uh, programs in place. I know our fire department in Woolwich um, and a number of the neighboring um, municipalities, if you call them, um, and we have done this in our township, is um, we'll go out and meet to a farm and uh, walk through the farm with the owners and we have printed checklists and stuff and we'll talk to the owners and we'll go through and help them identify hazards help them identify things that should be changed things that should be proved improved and with larger operations it also gives us as a fire department a chance to develop a bit of a pre-plan and have some records um, for us so as a fire department we have a plan that if there's an issue here, we understand what this property looks like. There's many uh, municipalities here that are doing that, off, and it's free. There's no charge. You call, the, call your local fire department, and uh, they'll come out. Just go for a walk through there, and we're not there to lay the hammer of, of law enforcement on them. We're there to identify hazards and help come up with a plan to minimize the risks. Right, because then it also makes your job easier too if there ever is an accident or a fire that you need to respond to. Exactly, it's, and, it's a, and it's a way for us to build a rapport with the local community that there's interaction. Um, we, where we are here in Waterloo County, we have a lot of the, um, Mennonite community here, so there's um, their exposure to some social media is not as great as others, so it's a way for us to get into that community and get information to them. There is a multitude of printed um, information and online information, and there's uh, if you contact your fire department, they have access to all kinds of uh, printed information as well. Right, that's great. And then one other, I'll just mention an organization that uh, Grain Farmers of Ontario works with is the Canadian Agricultural Safety Association. So they have a lot of resources on their website um, around farm safety. They even have kind of a kids zone on their website to um, help teach kids about farm safety with little games and uh, quizzes and things like that. So that's another resource that uh, listeners can can look at. Exactly. And um, that's, um, you, it's interesting you bring that up because I have been involved with teaching children for a long, long time and teaching our young generation that it becomes in, ingrained in them and it's a part of how they think from little up 
and I have seen the results of that over the years because I've had children that have had to call 911 for various reasons, and they said, it's because of what you taught us. Oh, that's good. And that's, that's where we need to uh, continue as parents and as um, fire department just to keep educating folks so that they're prepared to know what to do. Because time is of the absolute essence when something has gone wrong. Absolutely. Thank you so much for providing all this helpful information and uh, just helping educate our farmers, you know, the realities of the risks, risks associated with farming, whether it's in the field or on the farm. Um, so thank you again for uh, joining us. And uh, did you have anything else that you wanted to uh, let our listeners know about? Not offhand. The only thing is just asking that everybody be prepared. And one last thing before we depart is make sure your smoke alarms in your house works. That is paramount. Right. Another great tip and thing to uh, keep in mind. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you. Joining the podcast this week for an update on what's been happening with Green Farmers of Ontario is CEO Crosby Devitt. Welcome to the podcast, Crosby. Thanks, Rachel. Uh, happy to join. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about today is actually a really important announcement that came out just last week about the risk management program and some additional funding from the government of Ontario. Can you share with us a little bit about that news, please? Yes, Rachel, we got some really good news from the provincial government last week, um, and that is an announcement that the uh, Ontario Risk Management Program would be increased by $50 million to a total of $150 million uh, in the 2020 year, and going forward, it will remain at $150 million. So that's really good news uh, for, for Ontario grain farmers and uh, Ontario farmers across the province. And it's something that um, we as an organization have really been working behind the scenes on, and some people may not realize that. Yes, so the risk management program has been a priority for grain farmers uh, for a number of years, and there's been a lot of efforts through the years to explain to the provincial government how important that program is uh, to the stability of grain farmers, but also other other farmers that are part of the program too. And uh, for a long time, uh, grain farmers have been asking for an increase to this program. Um, it's an important one. It basically provides uh, a form of price insurance. And so with commodity prices being really volatile, and especially this year, we've seen seriously depressed prices for corn especially, that program is going to deliver uh, results for farmers that are badly needed this year. And uh, we're we're very thankful that, uh, that that will continue in future years as well. Now, when you mention the difficulties that our farmer members are having, that's not just you saying that. We've just completed a study that we released the results of um, on Thursday, actually. And mm -hmm. it actually tells us that there is some real significant concern amongst our farmer members. What did that survey tell us? So the survey uh, it was the second survey we did. Uh, did in the recent months and uh, about over a thousand farmers responded so we have a really broad sample of grain farmers good response yeah really good response and uh, I think that just shows some of the concern that's 
that's out there among among farmers and what they told us was that uh uh, prices are a real concern and the volatility of that. And they're at the point where over half of the respondents said they were unlikely to cover their cost of production this year. And so that's a really serious uh, issue when you think about it. Um, say, you know, the corn crop, especially over 2 million acres of corn in the province. And uh, if a lot of that, uh, those farmers growing it can't cover the cost, it doesn't uh, paint a good picture for the future. And so, um, you know, that's where programs like the risk management program kick in and help those businesses get to the next year. And uh, we do know farming is a volatile business. And so farmers are used to dealing with ups and downs, but some of the downs are too big for them to handle on their own and, and puts the farming business at jeopardy. And that's really where, where the help is needed. And that's what uh, we're, we're very happy to see the RMP program uh, come through to, to play a role in, in that. So with the survey results that we do have, how are we going to use those to you know, highlight the need that our farmer members do have, for example, uh, with the federal government and the agri-stability program? Sure. So the, the overriding, uh, I think, picture here is that you know, grain farming uh, in Ontario is absolutely crucial to our, our local economies. Um, there's over 28,000 farmers. Uh, when farmers are healthy and their businesses are good, they contribute to those local economies. And so um, there's kind of a two-pronged uh, approach here. And so the provincial government um, has come through with the risk management program. The other part of uh, the request of farmers to, to uh, stabilize their business is to the federal government. And that's request is to increase the agri-stability program, which is a federal program, uh, to the 85% level. And it had been cut down to the 70% level a number of years ago. And so our ask to the federal government now, and it has been in the past, is to bring that back up to the 85%. And then there's a suite of programs that will be valuable to farmers and deliver uh, when they need it. Now, despite all of the problems that we're seeing as a result of COVID-19 and that need for support that we're asking for, Farmers are still out in the fields. You know, they still planted their crops this spring, and, and now we're into wheat harvest across the province. I know that the wheat field behind my house here in the Niagara region got to harvested last week ahead of the big storms that we had. And that's something that we're, we're seeing right across the province now is that wheat harvest underway. What have you heard in terms of how it's going and, and what uh, what's happening with the other crops in the ground? Yeah, so we're right in the middle of wheat harvest. Um, some areas in the southern part of the province are, are wrapping up where some of the northern regions um, haven't even started yet. So we're right in the middle of that harvest. There's a, a pretty big acreage this year, uh, about a million acres of wheat uh, is being grown in the province this year. And so what we're hearing is that uh, yields are a bit, bit uh, variable, but uh, overall, maybe about an average crop. And I think earlier in the season, there was a hope for an above average, but uh, we had some really high temperatures as the crop was maturing and uh, some lack of moisture in some areas that probably took the top end of that yield off. But nonetheless, it'll be respectable. Um, the other thing that uh, we've seen here is, is another high quality crop. And so with wheat especially, uh, quality is important. It goes directly into food production. Uh, into flour, into all sorts of uh, baked goods, cookies, crackers, pastries, uh, bread. So quality is important. And so we actually are in the process of a wheat quality survey that we do every year. Um, and the first set of results just came in 
today, I believe, and showing a high percentage of grade two or better, uh, which is where you want to be in in the crop uh, quality. So that's that's really good news this year, um, and uh, we hope as harvest progresses, that quality carries on to be to be very good. Now, while our farmer members are busy out in the fields, our staff members for Grain Farmers of Ontario are still busy working, even though we've been at home for going on four months now, which is hard to believe. But uh, um, next week, our office will be uh, partially reopening. Can you give an update about what's happening on the staff side of the organization? Yes, it's been a long, it's been a long four months. Uh, everybody's uh, workplace has changed and workflow and uh, changing plans and things like that. But it's uh, it's very encouraging to see uh, most of the province is now into stage three, and that's kind of our trigger to be able to um, have some return to the office. And so we've got a pretty good plan uh, laid out, and come Monday, there'll be a number of staff members uh, working out of the office. Um, to, over the last few months, all staff have been working from their, from their homes, and so I think there's some eagerness uh, to get back. We're not going to go 100% yet. We're going to stage stage the staff back but uh it'll be it'll be nice to get back into the office and and see some of our co-workers for sure and lots of health and safety measures in place i know i just did the the training this morning for for everybody so we definitely have some some good plans in place to ensure everybody's health absolutely the the goal is to reduce our risk and uh and help uh, everyone to remain healthy which is uh which is i think everyone's goal and we'll We'll take it one step at a time, and I uh, and I think we've got we've got a good plan. And uh, and speaking with others in the in the ag industry, I think everybody's kind of in the same boat, uh, trying to figure out how to get back to their office space and uh, some sense of normal here. So we're we're looking forward to it. Now, one of the things that we had hoped would get back to normal was our ability to to meet with our farmer members, and unfortunately, we have had to make the call just again with the lingering uh, health uh, restrictions that are in place to have our annual general meeting this September as a virtual event, as opposed to how we normally have it in person. Um, can you touch a bit about on those plans? I know they're still in development, but what do we know at this point? Mm -hmm. Well, we'll be continuing uh, with our annual general meeting on September 15th, which would be our, our regular scheduled meeting, um, but it will be different this year. So we're going to be going uh, fully virtual uh, and we'll be using kind of the Zoom platform and it'll be all set accessible to anyone that uh, is able to join. Um, so we just put a notice out to all our farmer members on our email list this week, notifying them that of that. Um, so yeah, we'll have the same format. Uh, unfortunately, we won't be able to gather in person, but we'll have uh, our annual business update from our chair, Marcus Hurley, as well as my, my update uh, from, from the CEO and our financial statements. And also we'll be doing a virtual uh, resolution send with our delegates and members. And that's that's really the opportunity for members to bring issues forward through their districts and through their district delegates and uh, provide input and direction and uh, items that they would like to see the organization uh, work on over the coming months. So we're, we're looking forward to that. It will be a different format, but uh, perhaps uh, maybe more accessible to farmers that couldn't uh, typically make it out to the in-person meeting. So we may actually have of, of, uh, of a new format here this year. 
That sounds like a, a really great actually, uh, you know, aspect to that is that we might actually get higher attendance than we normally would just, just because of it being accessible the way it is. So we'll make sure to put all the information that people need in order to attend the AGM through our various communications channels. So make sure our farmer members do look for that information coming up for our September AGM. Uh, Crosby, thanks very much for joining us today. It was great to catch up with you. Thanks, Rachel. Great speaking with you today. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, James Martin and Crosby Devitt. If you like what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, Five-star reviews help us grow our audience.